Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of QLS Classic, in which we at Questlove Supreme dig into our archives to bring you some of the more amazing stories and interviews from past episodes. Uh, What can I say? We kind of joked to First Lady Michelle Obama that we'd love her to do our podcast, and uh, she called her bluff. And uh, (laughs) what can we say? We're so happy to get to talk to her about her life now after the White House and her experience in music, her being a fan of music. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of our talk with First Lady Michelle Obama. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your host, Questlove, and uh, I'm going to take a little detour here. It gives me great honor to present a special Questlove Supreme 101 with the one and only. I'm talking about South Side of Chicago's very own. I'm talking forever first lady. Yes. Michelle LaVon Robinson Obama. Yes, I have to say all four of your names. <laughs> I love it. So I just want to say on behalf of uh, my entire Supreme team, uh, that's uh, Fontigolo, it's Laia, Unpaid, and Boss Bill, and Sugar Steve, uh, we are very, very honored and uh, we like to express our deepest gratitude for you for taking time out to uh, to do our 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 little podcast. Well, I am excited. I, I am honored. I you. love you first of all. So Aww. you know, getting you, this you, time to to chat. You say that uh, to is all the a wonderful loves. break. Mm, no, nope, <laughs> but don't. <laughs> Thank you. Um, first of all, I mean, just in general, how has this whole experience been for you? Um, did you expect to sell as many units and come out the gate like this? This book is changing, like to go in the chat rooms and see people's reaction to the book and the staggering sales. Like, did you expect any of this at all? I, honestly, no, no, I don't expect anything that has happened in my life. You know, right. I'm a girl who grew up on the south side of Chicago every day. Barack and I wake up and go, what? 
Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> so we're still doing that. But but I, my hope was that the book would resonate. Would resonate. Um, I knew that I would be writing a book because all first ladies, all presidents are expected to write a memoir of some sort. So I had to I had some time to think about what I wanted this to be. And, you know, this could have been just a chronology. I could have just sort of walked through the days of uh, those eight years, uh, blow by blow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew I I wanted the book, the book to be more than that. Um, I wanted it to be a book that would inspire people to dig deep into themselves and understand their stories in the way that I've had the luxury of doing over the course of my life. Um, so I I feel like I'm just maybe the muse, um, that my story is the framework. Um, but uh, my, my overall goal was that people would start having these conversations about uh, their memories and the the context of their lives and how it's shaped them and you know what what they want to do going forward. So I'm excited that uh, not just for the sales and the units and the arena crowds, but more of what you're seeing, the comments and how how it's moving people to think differently about their own lives and stories. Yeah, even I'll say that even and well, first of all, thank you for uh, granting me the honor of 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 scoring the the playlist that goes with the book. But even with me, um, like I had to dig so deep into memories and, you know, songs for me are like Polaroids of moments in my life. So songs Mm -hmm. aren't just songs for me. They're Mm -hmm. they're like audio Polaroids. And, you know, even for me. Um, knowing your your vast music taste, which which I really want to get into, mm-hmm. um, I I you know, for me it was uh also an experience like trying to figure out what moment you were, uh, mm. or trying to guess what moment you were feeling when this particular mm-hmm. thing happened or that particular thing happened. Um, it, it in classic Questlove form. I forgot to mention. Yes, the name of your book is Becoming. <laughs> Duh. I'm, yeah, I'm one of those people that will like have the guests on the show and be like, "Oh, by the way, we were talking about songs in the key of life, ladies and gentlemen." Good night. Thank you. So, um, knowing that the how big of a role that music plays in your life, um, I always start this this question with all my guests. Do you? What was your first musical memory? Or do you remember the first mm. album you ever brought or first single you yeah, ever purchased? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, I, I talk about that uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, talking book, Stevie Wonder's talking book, was the first album I remember getting as a gift. Mm-hmm. And I, I got it twice. That's how good an album was. Um, I, I got it as a gift for Christmas from my parents and then from my grandfather, Southside, who I write about, who is sort of the musical core of our family, my maternal grandfather, who uh, he gave me the album. You remember there was the album you could get with the, the lyrics Braille. in Braille? And the Braille, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I remember spending time just not only listening to the, 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 the record over and over again, but trying to feel the Braille and understand the words and to think about 
and I, I would memorize the cover because there's something about that cover with Stevie without his glasses sitting mm-hmm. like in a canyon area in that dashiki Af- Afghan sort of thing right. with the braids and all of that was, you know, th- that cover to me was as much uh the experience of the album for me. I was trying to really find, I was really trying to figure out what goes on in his mind. What is he thinking? What does it feel like being blind? How does he feel music? Um, So that was the first uh, album that I ever owned as a child. But then there was the music that I bought myself, and that was the 45 version of something with the Jackson 5. ABC. Okay. (laughs) You know, Stop the Love You Save. That's when, (laughs) those were the 45s that you played on your little makeshift uh, record player thing. It wasn't like the big stereo that your parents allowed you to to use, but the thing you plugged in and you had to put that little round thing in the hole. Right. Spindles. You know. Yeah. That was the that was the music that I was allowed to play on my own, keep the record in my bedroom kind of thing. But the Jackson 5, that was what young people, that's that, we grew up imitating the Jackson 5 and putting the record on and cousins would be Tito and mm-hmm. I'd be Michael and my brother <laughs> would be on the drums. You know, we spent the whole afternoon like just shaping our performance to stop the love you save. So I, I, <laughs> those I, were some of my first memories. I, I always tease. I always tell them that um, when whenever I see the Jacksons that, you know, for a lot of us that were young and, you know, like they were the first superheroes that we really had. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Jacksons were uh, an occupation almost. And well, and it was interesting culturally because there were the the, the Osmonds, remember, were mm-hmm. the big sort of white family group back then. Right. And there were the big debates about who was better, the Jackson 5 or the Osmonds. And that was a sort of a political statement so how did you, you fell about, on the lines. How did you feel about One Bad Apple when it came out? Were you fooled? Like- you know, it was it was cute because back then you didn't have like 50 million stations, right? You right. had the one station and that played all the pop music. So you heard Stop the Love You Save along with One Bad Apple. And that, you know, you had your little grooving dances to that too. But where was your heart, you know? Yeah. Your heart was with the Jackson 5. Okay. But you, you, you always <laughs> call it first and you were Michael. That's funny because I was – I'm one of those friends in the group of friends that uh, is always last to call something. So <laughs> I, I was always Tito. <laughs> Everybody. Everyone's fighting Tito over was Michael. Always and, last. Right, yeah. yeah. I was like, all mm-hmm. right, I'll be Tito. Well, I was also surrounded by my brother and my male cousins. So I was the only girl in the in the in the posse then. Right. So it was just natural that I stood out as Michael, you know. I see. I felt I was justified in being Michael. If I had to hang out with all these boys, I should at least be able to tell them what to be around my <laughs> grandness. So, so even then, you knew you knew you had a role to play, and without even knowing what your future was going to be. I obviously. <laughs> do you, Do you remember your first concert? You know, that's that we were too broke for concerts. I mean, you know, I, I'm trying to think because my kids go to concerts all the time and I'm like, you all are so lucky. Mm-hmm. We were too poor for concerts, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never saw the Jackson 5 live. I'm trying to think maybe it was in college where and it wasn't really a concert. It was like an a, arena orchestra 
sort of Stevie Wonder was playing in an orchestra. Maybe it was in Philly. It's kind of a blur. And a girlfriend had the idea of getting tickets and going to see it. I do remember that because... What, what period was this? Oh, gosh. If I, I had to have been maybe a sophomore in in college. So that was, what, 80, uh, 82, 83. Um, wow. And it wasn't it, Stevie wasn't like on some big arena tour. I, maybe it was a benefit. I don't. I don't even remember. But I do remember that we had front row tickets, and we both walked in not knowing where our tickets were. Mm-hmm. And then we realized it's like we are in the front row. What happened? We were looking around waiting for somebody to tell us to move. To move. <laughs> um, but it was just him and his band, and he played some numbers. And then he called uh, his his. Uh, Bodyguard people pick some people to come up on stage and stand around the piano and sing Ebony and Ivory. And me and my girlfriend were picked. So I was standing on stage with Stevie by his piano thinking, what? Really? Uh, but that was, yeah, yeah. Now, I, I never know... told him about that because I figured he didn't see me. <laughs> right, <didn't> remember. Right. <laughs> well, I know that uh, Stevie has been at the White House at least 50, 11 times? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, you Close know, like I, I, any any event that I've seen between 2008 and 2016, like, it's almost like Stevie Wonder comes with a package, like, you know. Stevie, Stevie is, you know, that he, he, and he is all, you know, he's always game. If there's a cause and it's something he believes in. He's there. Ooh. The first time he showed up was at um, one of the biggest fundraisers that I had during the campaign. Um, it was at UCLA, and this was a big announcement because I was I was uh, highlighting. I was the keynote representing my husband in the campaign, but Oprah uh, introduced us. It was Maria Shriver, and that was a big deal because that was right when she was going to endorse Barack over uh, what her her husband, the governor, was doing. And that was a big deal. Right. Caroline Kennedy. So it was a women's empowerment kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The first time I was surrounded by all these mega giants and I was the keynote speaker, they were passing off these introductions to me. And right before I went on stage, uh, one of our staff said, Stevie Wonder's on the phone and he's in the area. He heard about the concert and he wants to come by. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so he just shows up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How many, like, I know that happens a lot. I, I actually wanted to ask, are there any other non-Stevie Wonder moments at the White House that stand mm. out to you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, Prince. But it's, the first one is Prince performing. But, of course, Stevie performed, too. I know. I <laughs> So he all right, Stevie's the ultimate party crasher. I get it. I get it. Right, right. And when Stevie's there, everybody's like, okay, Stevie's got to play. But right, Prince, right. Um, and we went back and forth trying to get Prince because every time we do our parties, and you've been to one of the parties. Oh, I've uh, been there. Yes. You've been there. Yeah. And so oftentimes the, the personal parties were around a birthday or something like that. And, of course, uh, Prince doesn't celebrate birthdays. So. Right. He was like, I can't come, but I want to come. So we had to figure out how to create something that wasn't a birthday that he could come to. And we finally worked it out. Um, and, that, you know, that was just 
that's just amazing. That's just Prince doing his thing and jamming in a way where he, for the first 15 minutes, he just let his band riff, you know? Right. That generosity that he has to let his, you know, backup singer lead the song in and his basses, they were just jamming before he even showed up. And it, that was amazing. Um, uh, Paul McCartney singing Michelle to me. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, uh, Aretha. Uh, Aretha has perform- performed many a time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she would come with her fur uh, and her yeah. Medal of, <laughs> of Freedom badge on because when she came to the White House, she wore all her stuff. Right. I see. Uh, and uh, uh, she's, she's blown the house down. But everyone from Mick Jagger to oh, one of the more beautiful performances was Esperanza Spaulding. Mm-hmm. Before she was really, really like hot, hot, hot. Mm-hmm. The first time I had seen her, you know, that beautiful head of hair and that beautiful face and that body with that big bass of hers just tearing up a song. Um, I mean, I could go on and, and on and on. Gladys Knight, Shaka Khan. Uh, uh, because one of the things I wanted to make sure was that we got all of the, like, the, the greats. To perform because it was like, I don't know if anybody's ever going to ask these people to come to to the White House. Yeah, yeah. Diana Ross came and performed uh, just for the staff. Um, Bruce Springsteen, uh, the the show he's doing on Broadway right now, Mm -hmm. um, he tested that out. It was just a, a fluke. He wanted to do, he offered to do something to say thank you to the staff. And we were like, of course, Bruce, you can do whatever. And he put together what became the Broadway show. show. Oh, another Broadway show. Hamilton, the same thing. Absolutely. Lynn told Um, me that's how he got the inspiration to to even go through with it. Yeah. He wanted to test it on you first. Yeah, and uh, we thought he was a little crazy. We were like, okay, you're going to do a rap (laughs) about Alexander Hamilton? Okay, that's nice. That's cute. It's it's funny um, you say that. Uh, I always say that, um, like, I, I was part of the production team that did the cast album, and mm-hmm. apparently I missed the email of him pitching it to me. <laughs> so I told him, I found the email after I did the record, and I read the email, and I told him, I said, yeah, there's probably, I would have probably said, no, I'm, I'm fine, I'll sit this one out. Cause right, just looking at it. Just, just looking like at the, the, the pitch. The whole concept was right. like, mm, I was like, no. This has... This has the chance of being a little corny. Right, yeah. But somehow, yeah, he wore me through. You know, yeah, absolutely. I, I have a question. You, you and your husband are uh, true Chicagoans uh, mm. to the bone. And probably one of the most touching things that shocked me during your administration was the um, the letter of condolences that you sent to Chicago househeads uh, when Frankie Knuckles passed mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to know, like, as a true blue Chicagoan, are you a househead? Like, have you gone at, to any house parties to see any of the, the, the gods of house music uh, DJ ever? Yeah, I, I was I, I was old by the time house music was like a big thing in Chicago. Um, uh, you know, Everybody has the music, the house music, you know it. But by right. then, I was out of clubbing. You're out of it. Uh, okay. 
but and going you, out. You, so I never got to experience the, you know, going to the club, just being all up in it. But, you, you know, you couldn't, you can't be in and out of Chicago without knowing without house music. Right. Well, you know. what about stepping? Are you a good, are you and your <laughs> husband good steppers? You know, I love to step. Uh, Barack is, he, you know, he can he can do it. But you know who loves to step with me is Sasha, my youngest. Oh, really? She, oh, yeah, yeah. She she gets such a huge kick out of me leading her through the... So that's sort of one of the things that we do when we're at a party together or we're at a family event. She's like, Mom, let's step, let's step. Uh, but, you know, we never had the time, Barack and I never had the time to, like, do the step classes because that's what couples do in Chicago. You go you go to Kennedy King College where you are taking the step class. You learn the step. At a, <laughs> uh, so we never we never trained in step. Can I say it's just sort of it's kind of just a bop, you know. And if you've got like a rhythm and you got the right song, you got a little, you know, uh, a, a good stepping song. It just comes. Um, but I, I grew up watching it on on TV and parents doing it, so it's almost like I could imitate it. But I've taught Sasha how to step, and that's she's my stepping partner. Really. I, I will say that uh, the party that uh, you guys granted me permission to to DJ, um, mm-hmm. I'll say that I was holding back maybe for like the first hour or so because like, okay, I'm at the White House. I can't be too lit at the White <laughs> House. And oh boy, little did I know um, that you all speak the same vocabulary musically. So yeah. for... You know, how important is it to also embrace? Because that's the thing I've just never seen. I've never seen, like, parents wholeheartedly um, embrace the music culture of their kids. Like, normally the mm-hmm. parents I know roll their eyes up in the air and, kids. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. Right. Whereas you guys were out partying your daughters at, you know, the, the last week of the White House party. And... <laughs> I was just jaw dropped. Like, so, I mean, how important is it to you to to bond and also understand, like, the music they like and the artists they like? Like, you know who Chance the Rapper oh, is. Oh, yeah, a- absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, when you love music, you love all music. Um, and if it's a good song, if it's got a good beat, you know, I, I can, I can te- I'll tease my kids about how good their favorite artists are compared to the greats. I'll play that game with them. But I can appreciate a good whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, I, and, and I love that time with my daughters. I love to let them teach me about what they love. Um, and again, Sasha is my more musical child. She, you know, she, she's got her room set, candles lit, you know, mm-hmm. colored light bulbs with a certain sound. And it, it just depends on what her mood is. You walk into her room and she could be playing classical music or she could be jamming to SZA or, you know, mm-hmm. it, you, you're just always surprised by her taste. Um, and that reminds me of the how I grew up, you know. My grandfather was a jazz lover, but he respected my mother's music. He respected our music. And I think that's just when you love music, you're open to just something that feels good. So there, I love sitting down with Sasha 
uh, and just telling her, tell me what's good. Tell me what you're liking now. Okay. Or she'll say, I just heard, you're, you're going to love this. And she knows my taste. This is a new artist. You're going to love them. <laughs> I think, you know, she's like, I think of you when I think of this artist. Um, so in that way, they keep me, uh, they, they keep us both uh, uh, on on point. Uh, I don't know all the artists' names now. Right. I confuse the, you know. I I just recently realized uh, that um, what Migos mm-hmm. wasn't just one. One for right, yeah. <laughs> that I I kept saying, you know, let's meet who's let's Migos. Meet him. Right, right, right. Let's meet him, and they were like, no, mom, that's not just that, oh, okay. that's group. And then then I found out, okay, well then who who are they? Uh, you know, so I'm I'm not all down with it, but when. When I like a song, I like a song. You're halfway yeah. there. I mean, your daughter shares yeah. music with you. Like, you know, oh, I yeah. share music with my parents, and that might be grounded for two weeks. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm playing, you know, Mom. I'm try- playing, Mom. Right, I'm playing, Mom. Right. My mom and I try get mad not to be ju- yeah. She's like, "Don't do that. I'm right. not like that." Right, but right. I try not to be judgmental with the music because it's like it, that, that's how I felt about social media throughout the presidency. The question is, if we're going to reach kids, we have to understand their language. We have to know what they're hearing. If we want to get young people to vote, we can't get them to vote just talking our language. So we had to figure out, well, what is Twitter and what's Vine and what are the kids listening to? And if you're busy judging it, you can't communicate with them. So I don't want my kids to feel shut down because their music isn't what I grew up with. Um, so I, I, I think it's very important. But, you know, stuff I don't like, I don't like. And I will tell them if I think an artist is crap, um, you know, and we'll have debates about it. Uh uh, so I, I think that's a good conversation for families to have. Okay. So. Okay. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling. Uh, Sherry Carter, they were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. So you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, 
you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers, or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. 
There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I have one more question before I let you go. Yes. Um, let's hypothetically think. Okay, let's let's go to mm, let's pick a year. Let's say let's say 2024. Hmm. Um, hypothetically speaking, if you are accepting the nomination of presidency, just hypothetically speaking, <laughs> what song do you want me to play for you while I'm DJing your acceptance speech? <laughs> oh, you know, that's just wrong. Wrong. Oh, yeah. Well, that that hypothetical will never happen. Um, <laughs> never again? Never, ever no. again? No. No, and let me just, you know, let's... Let, be be clear. Okay. Uh, the the presidency it's it's hard. Um, I acknowledge it, that. It's 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 not something. It's not an endeavor you uh, take on without serious considerations. And it's not just about whether you personally can do it or whether the, there are people who want you to do it. But it's a it's a hard ride to take your family on. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's a it's a huge sacrifice to ask the people that you love, and it's not I'm not, not just talking about my kids, but anyone that has that is within our orbit gets mm-hmm. impacted by this. Um, and I just would never do that to my girls again. You know, it 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 shapes their life. You know, there are many great things that they got from it. Um, and, you know, they don't regret it for a second. But their whole childhood was truncated in a way because, you know, imagine growing up and trying to go to prom with armored guards and right. trying to, you know, have a boyfriend or go to a concert. Um, you know, right now, um, my oldest daughter can't can't go to a public place without everything she does being uh, scrutinized and she's and and they've held themselves up well in it Um, you know and I and so when people say that I I know that there's an excitement and what people need but as a parent I feel like you know my family has made a sacrifice and now it's time to make room for the next generation and and the flip side to that is that if we continue to sit in these seats of power and we don't train and build up the next people, we look around and we find that our bench is empty. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I don't think it's good for a democracy to have the same set of families with the same set of ideas just sort of passing the mantle back and forth. I don't think it's good for the country. Um, so that's why Barack and I are dedicating our 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 foundation, the work that we do to really building up that next generation, because there are a lot of young people out there who will be good at this, who will have no way of knowing how do you access politics? How do you raise money? You know, how do, how do you go from being a nobody to being in this, this exclusive network where you can fundraise and you understand the issues and you can build a team? You know, if we're, if we're sitting on all those resources, using them again and again for our benefit and not pass 
passing it on, where will we be in 2024? You know, what kind of Congress will we have? How many mayors will we have out there? So we want to take this energy and devote it to empowering and and lifting up and supporting uh, those that are coming behind us. Wow. Okay. You convince mm-hmm. me. Okay. But I'll, I'll still be your DJ if every moment happens that you well, change we'll your mind. Well, we'll find some other things to DJ We're, around. Okay. Yeah, I, I need a redo. Thank you. Okay. And you don't. Okay, uh, so let me say this for the record. I don't know why you're tripping. You were just, you were a perfectionist. I'm, all, I'm, you I'm always hard that. on you myself. You were like, that's not, I didn't, I, everybody uh, had a ball. You were amazing. So I'm uh, like, okay, you can get a do-over. We will find a party. Okay. For, for I, sure. If you just want to do or but you did not need a do over. People partied until like, it was like four in the morning. I desperately want to do over. We get people out of that house. <laughs> I need a do over just so I can <laughs> sleep at night. All right. Oh, I thank right. you very much for your time. I appreciate thank it. Thank you, babe. Uh, ladies thank and gentlemen, you. becoming Michelle Obama in stores, online. Uh, this is Questlove on behalf of the Team Supreme. Thank you very much. West Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and in the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry, the world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 